letters one to three of the power of sympathy or the triumph of nature founded in truth by william hill brown this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. letter one harrington too worthy you may now felicitate me i have had an interview with the charmer i informed you of alas where were the thoughtfulness and circumspection of my friend worthy i did not possess them and am graceless enough to acknowledge it he would have considered the consequences before he had resolved upon the project but you call me with some degree of truth a strange medley of contradiction the moralist and the amoroso the sentiment and the sensibility are interwoven in my constitution so that nature and grace are at continual fisticuffs to the point i pursued my determination of discovering the dwelling of my charmer and have at length obtained access you may behold my rosebud but should you presume to place it in your bosom expect the force of my wrath to be the infallible consequence i declared the sincerity of my passion the warmth of my affection to the beautiful harriet believe me jack she did not seem inattentive her mien is elegant her disposition inclining to the melancholy and yet her temper is affable and her manners easy and as i poured my tender vows into the heart of my beloved a crimson drop stole across her cheek and thus i could do it in my own favour as the sweet messenger of hope do not wholly despair my new friend excuse the declaration of a poor artless female you see i am not perfectly contented in my situation otherwise jack i have not the vanity to think this distress altogether upon my account time may therefore disclose wonders and perhaps more to your advantage than you imagine do not despair then such vulgar uncongenial souls as that which animates thy clay cold carcass would have thought this crimson drop nothing more than an ordinary blush be far removed from my heart such sordid earth-born ideas but come thou spirit of celestial language that canst communicate by one affectionate look one tender glance more divine information to the soul of sensibility than can be contained in myriads of volumes hail gentle god of love while thou rivetest the chains of thy slaves how dost thou make them leap for joy as with delicious triumph happy enthusiasm that while it carries us away into captivity can make the heart to dance as in the bosom of content hail gentle god of love encircled as thou art with darts torments and incense of cruelty still do we hail thee how dost thou smooth over the roughness and asperities of present pain with what thou seest in reversion thou banishest the stygian glooms of disquiet and suspense by the hope of approaching elysium blessed infatuation i desire you will not hesitate to pronounce an amen to my hymn to love as an unequivocal evidence of your wish for my success letter two john worthy to harrington wish you success in what 
Who was this lady of whom you have been talking at such an inconsistent rate? But before you have leisure to reply to these inquiries, you may have forgotten there is such a person as she whom you call Harriet. I have seen many juvenile heroes, during my pilgrimage of two-and-twenty years, easily inflamed with new objects, agitated and hurried away by the impetuosity of new desires, and at the same time they were by no means famous for solidity of judgment, or remarkable for the permanency of their resolutions. There is such a tumult, such an ebulliation of the brain in their paroxysm of passion, that this new object is very superficially examined. These, added to partiality and prepossession, never fail to blind the eyes of a lover. Instead of weighing matters maturely, and stating the evidence fairly on both sides, in order to form a right judgment, every circumstance not perfectly coincident with your particular bias comes not under consideration, because it does not flatter your vanity. Ponder and pause just here, and tell me seriously whether you are in love, and whether you have sufficiently examined your heart to give a just answer. Do you mean to insinuate that your declaration of love hath attracted the affection of the pensive Harriet? If this should be the case, I wish you would tell me what you design to do with her. Letter 3. Harrington to Worthy. Boston. I cannot but laugh at your dull sermons, and yet I find something in them altogether displeasing. For this reason I permit you to prate on. Weigh matters maturely. Ha! Ha! Why art thou not arrayed in canonicals? What do I design to do with her? Upon my word, my sententious friend, you ask mighty odd questions. I see you aim a stroke at the foundation upon which the pillar of my new system is reared. And will you strive to batter down that pillar? If you entertain any idea of executing such talk, I foresee it will never succeed, and advise you timely to desist. What dost thou think to topple down my scheme of pleasure? Thou mightest as well topple down the pike of Tenerife. I suppose you will be ready to ask why, if I love Harriet, I do not marry her. Your monitorial correspondence has so accustomed me to reproof that I easily anticipate this piece of impertinence. But who shall I marry? That is the question. Harriet has no father, no mother, neither is there aunt, cousin, or kindred of any degree who claim any kind of relationship to her. She is companion to Mrs. Francis, and as I understand, totally dependent on that lady. Now, Mr. Worthy, I must take the liberty to acquaint you that I am not so much of a Republican as formerly to wed any person of this class. How laughable would my conduct appear were I to trace over the same ground marked out by thy immaculate footsteps, to be heard openly acknowledged for my bosom companion, my daughter of the democratic empire of virtue. To suppose a smart, beautiful girl would continue as companion to the best lady in Christendom, when she could raise herself to a more eligible situation, is to suppose a solecism. She might as well be immured in a nunnery. Now, Jack, I will show you my benevolent scheme. It is to take this beautiful sprig, and transplant it to a more favorable soil, where it shall flourish and blossom under my own auspices. In a word, I mean to remove this fine girl into an elegant apartment, 
of which she herself is to be the sole mistress is this not a proof of my humanity and goodness of heart but i know the purport of your answer so pray thee keep thy comments to thyself and be sparing of your compliments in this part of my conduct for i do not love flattery a month has elapsed since my arrival in town what will the revolution of another moon bring forth your etc end of letters one to three